Hello and welcome to the 250 podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm Darren. And you're very, very welcome. This is the Internet Movie Database Top 250 Movies of All Time podcast. Each week, we will cover one of those uh, randomly selected movies from this list and cover them exhaustively, but entertainingly. We hope. Are, are one of those things or neither. Yeah. It's a, it's a grab bag. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, they will almost entirely talk about those movies. Yeah, we sometimes may talk about Robocop. We may talk about Robocop. So what are we going to talk about this week when we're not talking about Robocop, Andrew? This week we'll be mostly talking about Annie Hall. The great Woody Allen film. The great Woody Allen film, Annie Hall. So, had you seen it before, actually? I had. I had had the pleasure of seeing this movie before. Not... not, not not to spoil things too much, but yes, I did, I did say a pleasure of seeing this movie before. Had seen it. Um, I guess it had been kind of formative. I feel like I'd seen it recently as well. Did you watch 500 Days of Summer? Yeah. Kind of I remember um, <laughs> the, just now when we were watching it, I, I drew that conclusion. I was like, ah, this is, this, the, the 500 Days of Summer seems to have just kind of picked thought about well, making its protagonist 20 years younger yeah, and well, actually codifying the fact that it's doing this non-chronologically. Yeah, it, 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 um, that, it occurred to me when, when, when the movie started and the, the relationship was over and they were talking about, oh, it's been a year since, since um, Annie and I broke up. Um, yeah, it made, 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 made me think about these two movies together with, with, with a few differences. Um, I, I, I think... Um, if you've seen 500 Days of Summer, a lot of people have argued over whether uh, Zoe Deschanel is a pixie dream girl. A manic pixie dream girl. Manic pixie dream girl, yes. Thank you. That's, that's the... The, the scripter, which everyone has disowned, including the original creator. His name, he writes for the AV Club. Damn it, I should know this off the top of my head. Yeah, there, there, there's, there, there was also some argument over whether... Um, because Zoe Deschanel is... Um, um, it's argued anyway by some people that she's actually a fully uh, fledged character and the whole point is that she doesn't exist just to... Amuse uh, or entertain Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Exactly. Well, the, the Manic uh, Dream Pixie Girl trope began, is largely traced back to sort of Zach Braff's um, What's the Garden State? Yeah. Where the role is played by Natalie Portman. It's a female character who exists primarily to empower or enliven a yeah. male character to give meaning to his life or energy or zest. And I could see that being leveled at, at uh, Diane Keaton's character Annie Hall in, in, in this movie as well. Because it, it, it seems like um, we're already getting into the movie. It, se- it seems like Woody Allen... We're going to do this non-linearly fair, fair, appropriately enough. Fair, fairly oblivious to, to, to her to existence her. as a human being. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Every... Every kind of complaint or concern she has is just a kind of a setup for one of his jokes that has very little to do with what she just said. Yeah. But he can talk to us, the audience. Oh, yes. Yeah. Quite yeah. a lot. So, yes. Yeah, so in terms of if people haven't seen the movie before, it's primarily covers, um, as Andrew suggested, the relationship between um, Annie Hall and Albie, who is the Woody Allen surrogate slash character of the film in question. It charts their relationship um, in a Alf- non Alvy Singer, but Singer. I mean, it's entirely autobiographical. Well, we'll, we'll, talk, about I, this. I don't we'll know. talk about this in a little bit. There's some I mean... disagreement between the leads <laughs> as to how autobiographical it is. Oh, sure. But, yes, I'm sure there is, but we'll, we'll probably get to that when we get into the more juicy stuff. 
but it is it's primarily a relationship uh disintegration comedy uh, mm. in that it begins at the end and then sort of spirals it doesn't even spiral backwards it spirals around like 500 days of summer does it it took me a while when i was watching it because I, I always seem to forget that it does that that it hops around from it ending to them fighting to them suddenly being in love together to them fighting to yeah. them first meeting for contemporary audiences mm. i i I, th- I think they'll find a lot familiar here uh, from 500 Days of Summer. That's if somebody hasn't seen it. And I think a lot of people have seen this movie because it, it's it's a classic. It's one of those movies that just... Um, people, if they like movies, well, and if they it. like comedies, I think as well, will will um, will seek this out and, and make sure they've seen it. Well, it is. It's, uh, what was it? it was the AFI's second best romantic comedy ever made. It typically tops these sorts of lists. Uh, it's on the number one. 50. I don't know off the top of my head. I really don't know. Shall we go to the fact machine and check? To the fact machine. And we're back from the fact machine. Number one is, Andrew? City Lights. Which is perhaps a legitimate choice. I think even Alan himself would acknowledge that as much, uh, given his fondness for classic cinema. Well... Of course, Charlie Chaplin's just a poor man's uh, Buster, Keaton. Buster Keaton, who is himself a poor man's Harry Lloyd. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to go over here and grab, what was his name, McLaren? <laughs> Mc- Mc- McLuhan? <laughs> McLuhan. Yes. Um, which is, again, one of the movie's better gags. Mar- Mar- Marshall McLuhan. Marshall McLuhan, here. the film critic, um, who only appeared when um, Woody Allen couldn't get Frederick Fellini to appear to defend his own film. Apparently Fellini didn't quite get the joke. Alas. More's the pity. But anyway, so, is it worth watching, Andrew? For people who haven't seen it, for people who are curious about it, before we delve into talking about, you know, it in a bit more depth, whether or not it's autobiographical, the director, what we thought of it, etc., or in more depth, was it worth watching? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, one could argue that it's problematic, but I don't think in any way that that, that affects its value. No. As such. Uh, and, yeah, I, w- I, won't, I won't kind of go into my reservations. I'll just... I'll just say it. Yes, yeah. I, w- I, w- I would recommend this movie. We did th- recommend Leon a little while ago. Yeah, I d- <laughs> we did indeed. Uh, did, um, we're we're indicting ourselves with our with our, with our recommendation of movies. Um, th- it's the random number generators doing this to us. Basically, um, it's it's a funny movie. I think it made both of us laugh. I, Quite I, a bit. I thought I thought also, and we've both seen it plenty of times. Which is yeah. the mark of a really great comedy is that even if you know the jokes are going, the punchlines are coming, it still works, and you still occasionally find surprises in it. Yeah, I, I think each time I've seen Annie Hall, um, there have been parts of it that maybe I'd laughed before, where I didn't laugh uh, the second or third time. But yeah, there there are these new kind of uh, bits that get you. Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, it was the realisation that Paul Simon is basically a West Coast Woody Allen. That, that was the moment that really sort of twigged with me this time. But anyway, so with that in mind, we're going to jump into the spoiler zone. We're but, Darren, to... but Darren, what about yourself? I would totally recommend it. Yeah. I would wholeheartedly recommend it. It is problematic. Uh, I think it gets out of jail on that count because, again, like a lot of Woody Allen's films, there's a sense of ambivalence towards mm. it in, in that you get the sense that Allen genuinely doesn't care what you make of the film or of the character who may or may not be a direct stand-in for him. Yeah. I I think that that allows Alan to get away with a lot of stuff that if he were more invested in himself or if he were less ambiguous about his characters, I think that would be a problem. But I think watching Annie Hall, there's a sense that you are not necessarily meant to like L.V. L.V. Singer a lot. No, 
No, I, I, and I think that gets it off a lot of the hooks, a lot of the more yeah. unfortunate hooks it put, it places itself upon. I mean, there's there's, there's 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 parts of the movie that 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 I thought were like mildly heartbreaking. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's probably um, <laughs> and, and, uh, an oxymoron, but um, uh, heart cracking, if yeah, you yeah, uh, heart rending. Yeah, there were there were there were there were moments that were poignant, but not actually in 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 a way that I felt related strong enough to an adult relationship. It's more the kind of thing that would be reminiscent of 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 how one feels about people when they're a teenager, I think, um, which 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 maybe says something about how Woody Allen kind of thinks about these things. But we'll talk about that in the spoiler zone. But he did capture it quite well. He did, um, I think. I would recommend this movie. All right, and then. Great. So that, let's, let's talk about it. Let's go into the spoiler zone. And we're there. Spoiler zone. Thank you, Andrew. So, no. So, what did we like? What didn't we like? What, what were, okay, so if you were to, to sum up, what do you think are the big themes or ideas of Annie Hall? Oh, well... Like, well, what jumps out at you? Like, it's a non-linear film, so it's, it jumps all over the place, but it does have... I, I, it has these very strong recurring elements, I think. Well, the, 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 um, the theme is kind of also the plot. I mean, I mean the, the most... Um, it's not... Generally, romantic comedies and romantic movies aren't a clever way of talking about something else. They are plot and 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 the theme is is the same is thing. the same. I mean, I mean, I I, I I'm sh- I'm sure there are plenty of exceptions to 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 that statement. But yeah, th- this is this is a movie where what happens in a movie is um, two people uh, fall in and out of love, and the theme of the movie is two uh, people fall in and out of love. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, there there are other. Um, smaller themes uh within it but i but i but i think yeah that that it's a kind of a um um yeah just a a a telling of 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 a romantic story right um i i would i would agree with that but i think that there are some ideas that are sort of common to to alan's sort of work um and i think you were getting at this when you hinted at it being sort of autobiographical because i think it was um was it Emmanuel Levy who argued basically that Woody Allen is indistinguishable to the public from L.B. Singer? That when we think about Woody Allen as a person or as an individual, we are mostly thinking of the character in this particular film. Now, obviously, there are later iterations in films like Manhattan and stuff like that. And then there's obviously iterations of this title character. There's almost Bethesda. always a Woody Allen character yeah. in a Woody Allen movie. I yeah. mean, is he's very... Um, difficult it seems for Woody Allen to to, well, to think very far outside of himself well I mean in fairness I mean, the, that, that is very true from a which, modern perspective well right? which, but, which 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 is kind of the Alfie singer, singer character who's neurotic and self-obsessed the movies that that um, uh, Woody Allen makes tend, tend 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 to give that impression as well it is, but I, I was more thinking from the point. Of, so, from his uh, historical point of view, yes, in that it's very clearly like you look at movies, even his latest stuff that doesn't necessarily star Woody Allen. So, for example, Celebrity with Kenneth Branagh, 
uh, Midnight in Paris with uh, Owen Wilson. Uh, or Vicky even Cristina Barcelona. Well, who, who was he in Vicky Cristina Barcelona? I'm, I'm not there sure. Was, there was no um, individual. Woody Allen character, but I thought it was a very indulgent. Woody Allen movie. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm terrible at it. Andrew's, Andrew's, uh, Andrew's Woody Allen impression is indistinguishable from his Christopher Walken impression. It was a very nervous Christopher Walken. <laughs> very anxious. I mean, I'm, I could talk about indulgent here. But I'm um, also in this movie. Yeah. But. Um, no, in terms of, yes, yeah, so in terms of where we're looking at it today, but if you look That's at... That's terrible, I, I apologise. And I also <laughs> apologise. But if you look at, say, the Woody Allen films sort of leading up to Annie Hall, right? So in terms of, like, stuff like Sleeper, everything you want to know about sex but were afraid to ask, Play It Again, Sam, Bananas, even stuff like Casino Royale or Pussycat, I Love You. Like, those are very, I don't want to say they were broad comedies, but they were very sort of, they were well, pastiches. Love, Love and Death is kind of um, suggesting that um slightly maybe more yeah. serious type of movie i i mean yeah. well, given that death is one of his big neuroses in annie hall yeah yeah and and love um <laughs> yes um, it, it's pretty much yeah annie hall draft one yeah but, I, but um it was that, that was the movie just before annie hall it was so yeah. I, I think there's a sense that with annie hall he emerged on it didn't that. i don't think annie hall came out of out of nowhere I, I feel i feel like um love love and that was kind of the first uh kind of well, i don't know I, I suppose everything you always want to know about sex but we're afraid to ask i mean it's still a very silly movie but it's is 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 um, does have elements of that yeah but again in terms of then saying like take the money and run and stuff i think i think there is a definite shift that takes place in alan's work and i think that annie hall is basically the pivot point of it because that's the breakout point like, that's the, the point at which uh, people sort of look at Woody Allen as becoming Woody Allen. Like, in the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think a fair few people have, 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 have drawn that line with his work where it's kind of pre-Annie um, Hall um, and uh, post-Annie Hall. I don't think we would be... A revolutionary in suggesting that. No, no. Not, not at all. Um, I don't pretend to be. But, I mean, it's more in terms of, like... In terms of defining how the audience thinks about Woody Allen, I think he's he's in some ways indistinguishable from or inseparable from Alvy Singer. Yeah, certainly in our minds. Yeah, I mean, who, who, no, I I suppose people don't really know um, exactly who Woody Allen is aside from um, what he uh, gives us in his movies and in his um, in his characters that stand in in for him. I mean, yeah, well, Alan himself very <coughs> loudly and very blatantly insists that this is not an autobiographical film. Um, in fact, there's a quote from him for Rolling Stone in 1987 where he's like, the stuff that people insist is autobiographical is almost invariably not Alan said. It's so exaggerated that it's, and I feel like I'm doing this an injustice by not having a Woody Allen impression. But it's so exaggerated that it's virtually meaningless to the people upon whom these little nuances are based. People got in their heads that Annie Hall was autobiographical and I couldn't convince them that it wasn't. Now, that's Woody Allen's side of it. On the other hand, Diane Keaton, Keaton who now was... Tr now, try and do this in a Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to read Diane Keaton's impression of the film or the autobiographical tendencies in her voice. But she basically says that it was based, in, in, to some extent, on the story of their relationship. A heroine like her, who was semi-articulate, dreamed of being a singer and suffered from insecurity feeling that she'd done little more than play an affable version of herself, she was astonished to win an Oscar for the privilege. 
It's also worth noting that Diane Keaton's real name is Diane Hall, and people who are close to her call her Annie. So I, I think, like, as much as Alan tries to shake off the idea... And, that, and the movie wasn't written as Annie Hall either, was it? No. It no. was originally titled... Uh, well, first of all, it was, it was written as a murder mystery originally. The, yeah, it was, it was. I heard this like maybe you probably know all the details, but I, I had heard this all right that it was a significantly different movie. Um, yeah, it was originally it was a murder mystery. Uh, the original cut of the film ran two hours and twenty minutes, as compared to the ninety three minutes of the cut that was finally released. Alan, uh, when he showed it, the original cut with the murder mystery in it, he noticed that the relationship between himself and Diane Keaton's character was the heart of the film. And so decided then to build the film around that. So he went back, he shot some new material, he cut the film differently. But it, it's That's crazy. It is, <laughs> what? It is completely there's, crazy. There's, the, 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 what we think of the plot as Annie Hall was originally the subplot of a completely different murder mystery film. So, like, um, there's never any point where something feels like it's from another movie. No, which is remarkable um, for us. Yeah. Well, presumably there's a lot of stuff in there that was meant to be in a murder mystery. Yeah, which is very hard to place, isn't it? Apparently there are scenes right before the murder happens. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't do more research on this, but there are, there are um, scenes from right before the murder happens that made it into the final cut of the film without being changed at all. Wow. Yeah. And again, the, 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 the scenes with Chris are walking in them? Quite possibly. There was the surprise twist. Um, but yeah, this is apparently why Alan... Despite the fact that this is universally loved, it's only on V250, we both love it dearly, we both recommend it. Well, Alan, I, Alan himself is... I think love is, love is too weak a word. I, I, Would you loaf it? I, I thought it was transplanted. Transpl- I like that. Good old Shelley Duval. <laughs> but uh, Alan himself is not a big fan of the film. So when asked about his, asked to give his assessment of the film, he said, when Annie Hall started out, that film was not, was not supposed to be what I wound up with. The film was supposed to be what happens in the guy's mind and you were supposed to see a stream of consciousness that was mine and I did the film and it was completely incoherent. Nobody understood anything that went on. The relationship between myself and Diane Keaton was all that anybody cared about. That was not what I cared about. That was one small part of another big canvas that I had. In the end, I had to reduce the film to just me and Diane Keaton and that relationship and I was so disappointed in that movie as I was with other films of mine that were very popular. And he also goes on to rant and rave about Hannah and her sisters as well. Uh, yeah, it's it, like we... To we... me, it's always less the masterpiece than I was certain I'd been destined to make. Which is a, somewhat a grandiose statement. And I say that as somebody who, like, Woody Allen's work is prolific, influential, amazing, like in terms the, of influence and the, style. Yeah, the, the weird thing is we, we were trying to say there that we would let uh, the movie off the hook because... Um, it was so because, self-aware. Yeah, because it's so self-aware. It sounds like it wasn't at all. That, that is like, I just want to make a movie about me. That and, was going to be and, my masterpiece. Yeah, and, and, and it was all of this stuff about the relationship that I wasn't really comfortable with. Yeah. That is a little bit better. It's getting We're better. We're getting there. By the end of the podcast, yeah. Andrew will have got his, uh, his impression down perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I, it, was, it was just going to be me look, looking at a camera and talking. One of them. My stream of <laughs> yeah. consciousness. Yeah. Why, why doesn't anybody understand me? And, and... It was less the masterpiece 
than it should have been. Yeah, it, it, now, now you're getting further away. <laughs> it's like there's only so much good Woody Allen impersonation to go around. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're going to suck all of it out of the room. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, so it is a very odd... I, that, so, I suspect, is part of the reason why it's structured so so strange. Not so strangely, but structured so that, randomly. That, that, that's astonishing. That that like Yeah, because of the way he's portrayed in this movie is as this completely oblivious self-centered um and then when he when he looks back at the movie he's he's like it should have been more yeah more, yeah. more centered on me yeah and then what and then it wasn't um it wasn't a choice to kind of show the, the woman's uh, point of view point of view that was rather all. unfortunate the audience latched onto that really. <laughs> yeah. it seems to be the subtext of the conversation gave it too much balance yeah <laughs> Okay, well, uh, well, let's let's talk about that, right? So, in terms of the relationship between Alvi and Annie, it is not necessarily the healthiest of relationships. No, no, absolutely not. Like it, it, it That's what I mean about your qualified like, recommendation. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is, um, it's reminiscent of of five hundred uh, days of summer. Yeah, but but also um, for for a person watching it, I'm sure they can see parts of their own life in it and their romantic history, but more their romantic f- failures of 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 being a young kind of um, foolish. And well, I'm sure we're we're both still very <laughs> foolish, and less young, but still less very young, foolish. still yeah. very foolish. But we're yeah, it, towards death. yeah, it it seems it seems a kind of like um, a portrayal of of the of of the mistakes one one makes when they're when they're young, foolish, and in love. Well, here's the thing: I would slightly disagree with that. In that, I don't think it's necessarily the mistakes of youth. Like in terms of, it's her mistake of youth. But in terms of Alan's character, Alvi, he just turned forty. Oh but, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's 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 why it seems out of place. It, it's it's somebody it's somebody who's. Um, Who's much older and is um, seems to be like exploiting somebody younger yes, that, that and, really and, got that and fresher, but but the the person the person doing it has has this um, tremendous immaturity and think, thinks of himself as 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 this great person and is is really a child. Well, there's something really odd that struck me about watching the relationship sort of this time, and maybe it's because we watched it after watching Leon. But there's this recurring sense of Woody Allen's character, Alvi, as, I won't want to say not more mature, because he's not more emotionally mature, but as more worldly and... Parental. Parental, almost, yes. Because he, first thing he does is he buys her books. He gives her a reading list to date her. She remarks when she's standing backstage at his comedy gig, she's like, I think I get most of the references now. She insists that she's not smart enough to date him. You know, he... uh, yeah, there's, it's a funny thing. He sends her to college. He he insists that she get an education. Because one of one of one of the kind of early scenes we see is this pretentious guy standing in the queue. Guy standing in the queue, and really Woody Allen is calling out this 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 guy behind him because he thinks he's an idiot, but maybe not necessarily because of how pretentious he is. They, well, he and, does. He and, remarks like this is indulgent. Yeah, which is, which is and, ironic given like he turns to the camera. And says this is indulgent. And when 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 later um, Annie Hall is telling Alfie that um, she's taken up photography, 
he's saying, oh, well, like the aesthetic uh, frameworks haven't really been established. And she says, what, what Pe people don't uh, know whether it's any good or not, which is essentially what, the, what, what he just said. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but in a, in a much more accessible. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Way. So he gives her a very hard time for, for, for not being an intellectual, but she, she, in, in, in many ways, it's often the mark of an intellectual that they use many uh, words and, and, and bigger ones and say, for, very and say very little, which, which, yeah, it, 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 um, Annie Hall feels this insecurity that she needn't, yeah. I guess, is I what I'm trying to say. There's also a recurring sense in the film that Annie is particularly... Like, it's not just that Alvy is more paternal towards her, in that he assigns her reading lists and sends her to college and insists she gets educated and all this sort of stuff. It's also the sense that she feels very much like a child, almost. Like, she calls him over at 3am in the morning to get rid of a spider, which isn't really about getting rid of a spider, but it's it's the worst excuse... Or even when she's when she's flirting with him uh, in the at, at the tennis court, or she's trying to flirt with him, where she's like, uh, you know, uh, do you have a car? Do you want a lift? And she's uh, sorry, it's, it's like, uh, would you like a lift? What's the exact context of the conversation? Though is basically she's repeating stuff that she's already said uh, in a way that makes it clear that she wants to spend more time with him, but in a way that is transparent and a way that seems unworldly almost. Hmm. And, and 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 it kind of forces you to um, maybe think about it in those terms of of what is um, is Annie Hall getting from this relationship because I think it comes across that she's not sexually interested in in him so yeah there is some other kind of dynamic at play and it seems like he's the kind of creepy older. A man who's who 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 wants his 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 paws on her, and also wants to have this kind of other sort of Socratic relationship where he's teaching her things, and I guess that's what she wants out of it. But she also, and it is in some ways, it's almost hard to separate from from Woody Allen's yeah. life. His his much discussed off tabloid sort of yeah. related sort of oh yeah sorry. No, no, go ahead. You were gonna say. No, I was, I was thinking about this on um, when I was when I was cycling over here on my way. How a very kind of inconsistent position on these kind of things, because I, I think I've said uh, a number of times that you you separate the, the artist. artist from from that person's. You separate their art from their lifestyle. You know that 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 the two things may inform each other but that you you judge their art qua art and i mean having said that when 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 if if i have a problem with with um the way a business conducts itself i i, I will self-righteously uh, boycott that business but yet when i have a problem with 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 how a writer or lives or, their life or yes or, or a, a film director. director or an actor lives their life i can still enjoy their work yeah. thankfully christopher walken has never done anything bad ever and don't, don't, please don't tell me that he As, has, aside but... aside from his terrible movies but i can even, live with even them they, even they have a certain sort of charm to them i think yeah no it is I, you that's... country bells have to get out of here we're closing you down sorry masterpiece <laughs> here's the thing right any Christopher Walken movie would be at least one and a half stars worse if it didn't have Christopher Walken in it. that's just a scientifically provable fact 
Yeah, and some of them are one and a half star movies. Some of them, some of them are half a star movies. But um, yeah, no, I understand, and that's something I have a great deal of difficulty with as well, particularly when it comes to say someone like Polanski. I think with Alan, the problem is more acute because, and again, he says it's not autobiographical, but you have this this mountain of of like this overlap between like even stuff like when he's talking about Zelig, for example, um, when he when he did Zelig later on the the, the mockumentary um talking about how zelig people think that he reads books but he likes to watch matches and baseball and sports and stuff which is what woody allen does and woody allen now boasts about how when he he when he films he films from nine to five and he goes home and he has a beer and watches some baseball which exactly is a scene that happens precisely in annie hall i was watching it and i was thinking of that it's a scene where his first or se- his second wife mm. is having a party with the new yorker and all this editorial board in attendance and all elby can think to do is sit in the bedroom and watch baseball yeah, and I was just watching that, and I was thinking that is a scene directly from Alan's own life. Similarly, at the start, the date written on the board is Woody Allen's seventh birthday, which would have been when he was in that class uh, classroom himself. And it becomes when when so much of that is used, it becomes difficult to disentangle that. Well, almost. yeah, I, I mean, so so when 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 one when one when one writes fiction, it, it's it's. It's a very kind of easy avenue to tread is 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 to is to use your own life because because that's what you know the most and and and, and use that now now I I think the the point we're making though is 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 that um it, it kind of the kind of weird creepy or exploitative relationship uh, while and I mean maybe 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 it's unfair to to characterize the the. The relationship of the movie in such in such harsh terms but there's definitely there's definitely some of that yeah. we can we and 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 i don't know whether whether it's um whether we just say that because of these things that's the that that's we know about by, yeah, yeah about his know. personal life yeah I th- I, like and then and then you look at everything through that prism yeah that's like it. like the the line by tony roberts tony roberts has to Tony Roberts is uh, his best friend. Basically. Yeah, yeah, is Alfie Singer's uh, friend in this movie, and at some point, Alfie Singer uh, gets arrested for crashing cars and then tearing up his driving license and is in prison. And Tony Roberts comes to to bail him out, basically. bail him out of prison. Yeah, and he says that um, that he was taken away from two uh, girls they were twins and to make it even better he says they were 16 oh it gets better there's a punchline where he's like think of the mathematical possibilities and you're just like that's really creepy yeah i mean th- and then you and then it sort of segues into this this stupid goofy joke about uh, the way that people in california are obsessed about health where he puts a visor over his face but it, it is it's a very uncomfortable moment oh yeah i, I mean it's uh, along with inappropriate smoking um, <laughs> which has become a recurring fixture which, on this which has become a recurring fixture it seems to be the, this the and another another thing is just yeah good uh, creepy kind of um objectification of uh minors um in, in in movies that tend to rank on the imdb top 250 movies of all time yeah 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 it's it's it seems like maybe um people who are okay with that um <laughs> Hold my, on, weren't you a big fan of leon I, I, I am actually a big fan of both of these movies. Oh, and the, the, the um, yeah, no, I, th- I think I th- I would like to think that as things go along, these movie these movies are 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 great, 
but can be difficult to kind of stomach certain aspects of them yeah. when 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 seen through a modern lens exactly no I, I would agree with that entirely and i think this is one of the things that people don't necessarily get about that sort of school of criticism is that when you acknowledge these flaws you are not necessarily rejecting the entire text like you're not saying that because these elements are problematic the film itself is terrible and mm. everyone who hates it is a monster we quite like it we just think there are certain elements of it that need to, that you know would be in need of say discussion or breaking out or sort of you know yeah, there, there's there's um, there's a certain amount of kind of sanctimoniousness um, when one looks back at something. Um, I mean, this was only thirty or forty years ago. This was forty. Almost years ago forty now. years. Almost ago. forty yeah, years yeah. ago. Forty years ago. Thirty-seven year. years. Yeah. Thirty-nine years. Thirty-nine. Okay. Uh, it competed with Star Wars for the Best Picture Oscar. Oh wow! And won. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone apparently was predicting Star Wars to win, which is a remarkable, which says a lot about how the movie landscape changed but we'll we'll talk about that later on in the podcast probably yeah like um kids movies are hardly ever nominated these days andrew has some strong opinions about <laughs> star wars but we'll talk about that when we land on that particular you thought film. i was going the other way <laughs> i thought you were going the other way um so no in terms of how the film is constructed then because we were talking about there how how it strangely seemed to come together despite woody allen's best efforts but one of the things i liked about it was how sort of Self, no, I don't want to say self-aware, but how cheeky it was in some respects in terms of like its awareness of the audience. It opens with Alan oh, staring yeah. at the at the camera, for example. Breaks the fourth wall repeatedly. on numerous occasions. It brings in people from outside, like like McLaren, for example. There's a, there's an animated sequence in it. Yes, which yeah. is uh, which is quite nice, and it it's just it's always aware of itself, which is one of the things that I I and again it reminded me again of of Five Hundred Days of Summer was I. I love 500 Days of Summer, but rewatching Annie Hall really sort of convinced me of just how much of that movie came from from this, really. Hmm. Um, and in terms of it, you could argue then that probably a lot of romantic comedy did come from this. I mean, there's a moment where, for example... Well, a very certain kind of romantic <laughs> comedy. I mean, not exactly the... Sleepless in of, Seattle. Um, the ones that Matthew McConaughey did before his... Before his reconnaissance. Reconnaissance, that's correct. Um, or, yeah, or sort of the ones that star Bill Pullman. Um, though that golden genre of romantic comedy. There were Bill Pullman romantic comedy? Wasn't he in While You Were Sleeping? Well, perhaps he was. Perhaps. You, you slept through that, did you? There, <laughs> we, we, um, that's our other podcast. Yeah. Uh, romantic movies with sleep in the title. It, it yeah. may be a bit of a short runner. Sleepless in Seattle, While, while You Were Sleeping. sleeping. That Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy uh, Hollow. We, we really sort of bend that a little bit. But no, so I mean, okay, so what else did you like about it? What was, so what else jumped out at you about it? Um, some of the jokes I liked. The the first joke in the movie about the two ladies at the Catskills and they're saying, oh, the food here is terrible. And they're saying, oh yeah, and, and in such small portions. And the, um, again, uh, when his second uh, New York wife is at, is at the party with all of the editors and journalists and intellectuals and it's like oh and there's there's the chair of english and the and the the chair of philosophy and it's like, oh, oh, two more and 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 they'd have a dining room set <laughs> no like alan writes really great really great sort of one-liners um yeah they're they they are they, they often seem kind of taken um out of his 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 stand-up are, are they are they seeing they 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 they, they they don't. They don't seem like terribly organic. Um, yeah, to 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 the script or no. or 
are, are, are to the plot. Um, I think that's that's generally the case. I mean, Alan Alan writes prose as well. Like he writes books and stuff, and they have that same sort of effect where there's a sense that Woody Allen had this funny thought, and I think this is probably a result of him being he's incredibly prolific. He puts out like one film a year. And yeah, he's put out at least one film a year, beginning with Annie Hall. So over the past thirty nine years. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is probably down to the fact that there's a certain element of I thought this funny thing today. I should put that in the script I'm writing. Yeah, and, and he he like the the. The attempts to make um, his funny little thoughts, um, like I enjoy them, but they, they, um, I suppose um, they 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 do seem a bit shoe, shoehorned um, in, into the movie. Oh, that no, we're watching. Are, no. Like the the um, I think the way he concludes the movie is um, a man who goes to the doctor and says, um, "My brother, thinks my he's brother, a my brother thinks he's a chicken." And he said, well, oh, why don't, why don't you have him committed? And it's like, oh, because we, we need the eggs. And he's saying, which is a bit like love. Like, we're, it's a crazy thing, but, but we need the eggs. But we need and to buy into the craziness. Yeah, exactly. Um, where it's, it's, it's like, oh. Is... I thought that was one of the better examples of one him. One of the better examples, which gives but you an even idea. so. <laughs> um, yes, even then. But I mean, you, with comedy, I think that's, that's a sort of a comedy threshold. Is the joke funny enough? Mm. that it works because there are points at which the the movie seems to veer from like observational comedy into downright surrealism yeah so, and i i suppose there there was um other parts that i laughed at like um as i say this is this this was not my um first watching of the movie and there there are there are other parts of the movie that i found funnier the first or second or third time i saw them like for example i've I found the um, Marshall McLuhan part very funny the last time I watched this movie. The, 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 the part I found especially funny this time was uh, Jeff Goldblum. Picking uh, up the phone in the mansion. It's like, um, yeah, I uh, forgot my mantra. He seems like a man who might forget his mantra. <laughs> uh, it was brilliant. It was. And it, it continues that long trend of Jeff Goldblum party cameos. He also appeared in Robert Altman's The Player wearing a cardigan at a Hollywood party. I like I and I I wish he would continue his uh, cameos at parties at at some party that I'm at. Uh, Hit me up, Jeff. In terms of watching it this time, what's sort of like one of the things that grabbed you? I I guess like we we you were asking earlier about themes, and I said there is really like the plot is 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 a theme, but uh, I I guess something I noticed, perhaps I noticed other times, maybe I just noticed it more this time. The way they look at Los Angeles and show yes. business. Well, it's not only that, I'd argue. It's the difference between Los Angeles and New York is the thing. Yeah. In terms of like Alan's films, and it becomes too obvious in his 2000s films, where they tend to be love stories to cities almost. So you have like Vicky Cristina Barcelona, you Midnight in Paris, you From Rome with Love, you have those films that he shot in London. You have this sense of Alan as a guy fascinated with this idea of place as a, as a sort of a psychological as a, as a you know as somebody believes in uh, psychoanalysis a place is a psychology almost mm. you know and i think there is an element of that uh, in in this in that yeah so first of all let's let's take a look at the the los angeles aspect and then maybe come back to the new york aspect if we're going to do mm. this non-linearly yeah if we're if we're also doing this non-linearly it also just jumped into my head how much i like uh christopher walken I think we've already talked about him, but never but, enough. Yeah, and and uh, we haven't really 
spoken about him in this movie. Well, he only has... He, he's in a couple of scenes, but he has Very one big brief. moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the big moment is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it is a moment that I think only really works because it is Christopher Walken. Uh, you know, in terms of the, the level of intensity that he brings. Yeah, he plays it completely straight. Which um, is the joy of it. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. He's a v- very morose, maudlin character, and is is he's he's <laughs> he's talking about it. he's like um, some sometimes when I'm driving, I just think about careering to the other side of the road. I see the two lights <laughs> on the road ahead of me. I think I just jam. <laughs> I can feel it. Broken glass, the fire, the gasoline. You're a writer. Maybe you can understand. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it is fantastic. And it builds the punchline then where he drives yeah, Alvi yeah. and the, uh, and it's the ne- next, next scene is him driving the car. Yeah, which is, is a wonderful sort of cut. And actually, there's a surprising amount of like recognizably famous or soon to be famous people in the film, including uh, Sigourney Weaver is, is a visible in the far distance. Unspoken, as... probably on credit too. And she's the I very last imagine. name in the credits. Oh, is she? Yeah. Ah. See, um, she's still two years away from Alien, and then obviously Jeff Goldblum on the phone, um, and then obviously they, we talk about Christopher Walken. They didn't put Dolby last in the credits. Okay, smart guy. <laughs> Film credit humor. Yeah. yeah, she 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 was she was the last of the cast. Yes, she was. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Pedantic. Last cast. Yeah. Now let's flash forward to the conversation where we're talking about Los Angeles. Yes, <laughs> I do beg your pardon. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no. Because um, you, you were the one who was saying that you were talking about how it, how it portrays Los Angeles and the landscape and stuff like that. So yeah, but 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 more the kind of um, it's a very judgmental sort of. Um, it's about how Los Angeles is um, very superficial and cool and um, fake. fake and how um, I there's think a great there's, scene in the editing bay for example on, yeah. on the on the sitcom with Tony Where, Roberts yeah it, when they're they're adding canned laughter and 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 there's there's him in in the um, in the restaurant and he's ordering alfalfa sprouts and a bowl of mashed yeast but I mean at the same time there's also this is again Alan again being autobiographical he talked about like he talked about the start he talked about women that he dated and how that's like he doesn't he wouldn't want to be part of any club of that would have him as a member <clears throat> which is a reference nor to, should anyone <laughs> <laughs> this is Frank, Andrew's philosophy yeah for, for, Frank, frankly like um, the, he's he's Woody, Woody Allen is this great and terrible person yes like no no like he, he um, has all of this um, like I've 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 enjoyed his 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 incredibly books. talented. I've, in, I've enjoyed some of his movies. I'm sure I might even enjoy his clarinet. If, <laughs> if you got the occasion, yeah. If you had but um, yeah, so so he's he's he and and his his uh, stand up comedy as well, which 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 he didn't do much of because I mean he hated it. Yeah. But um, he who was uh, he was quite good at it, and he's 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 a very enjoyable artist, but also um, you don't want to be around him. Like yeah. you've you've no, I I, there are so many actors who say that like it was a dream to 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 work with Woody Allen, but I can't imagine 
it was a dream of theirs to like spend time with him or be well, in his company. Well, here's the thing. There are actors who worked on Annie Hall. So, for example, uh, McLaren, the, the cameo guy, he says that Alan never talked to him outside of the dialogue in the scene. Mm. Which just seems very, very strange. Yeah, I mean, they, maybe that's the way that he works. But. They, yeah, that, that is that is the way people think of him, and and I think there's a lot to con, to confirm that. Yeah, that he is this oblivious, self-centered person. But I mean, and to be fair, there are elements of Annie Hall where that seems to be a little bit of the joke. So, for example, Alfie gets really sick, uh, and it, it, it's actually quite a nice guy. He gets really sick when he's watching his friend add canned laughter to the terrible sitcom that he's making. Mm. And he spends the rest of the day in bed and he's like really anxious about, um, and they ha- he has to pull out of this televised awards show uh, up until the point where Annie tells him that they actually replaced him in the televised awards show. And he just quickly goes to, to wolfing down the chicken, you know, sort of feeling almost, there's a sense that he's almost disappointed at being left out. You know, there's a sense that, I don't know. Or, or was your reading that scene that he was just looking for an excuse to get out of it? No, no, I, 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 I think... Um, There's that sort of paradox of not wanting to be a part of it and wanting to be a part of it. Yeah, I, like, I'm, I don't think he'd be much of an artist if, um, if there was no awareness of, yeah. of, of, of his own foibles. And it's interesting, I guess, that, um, that he thinks the movie would have been... Uh, a better. masterpiece. Yeah, would have been better if it had been less reflective and, and more uh, introspective. I, I, I guess, sorry, if... Uh, it's probably unclear what I was trying to say. But if it had focused more on the character, yeah. his character as he was in the film, as Alba, on, on yeah. Alfie, and, and had, his stream of consciousness, I think, is the phrase that he uses. Yeah, and had less to do with... Um, Diane Keaton's character. Yeah. And, and Diane the, Keaton's great. She really is. She's fantastic, and she's beautiful, and she's um, tremendous. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I mean, um, it's, it's, I guess it's very obvious of, of, of me... Um, uh, to 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 kind of um, fall a little bit for 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 her as a character. I, it, um, well, the character uh, is very much presented as as an ideal almost as as yeah, Caesar. Yeah. Um, like, I think that even like the twist in Five Hundred Days of Summer, where it turns out the character is not aspirational, I think that Annie doesn't quite get that. She gets that in theory, and that I think the movie acknowledges that maybe she's somebody different than who Alvy thinks she is. But I'm not sure it gives her enough that she gets there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there's yeah, there, there's 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 something. Yeah, it's interesting actually, because I I think in the movie she becomes a. She was she was she was she was always interesting, but perhaps not fully formed. Yeah. And then I, I I think towards the end of the movie you catch a glimpse of that she's actually kind of. Um, become a uh, a person in her own right. She's outgrown him almost. Yeah, she 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 had always been interesting and cookie. Yeah. <laughs> or um, manic, dreamy, pixie-ish, yeah, if you will. Exactly, but also kind of like had this um, intelligence. Oh, by the way, that was Nathan term. Rabin. Nathan Rabin was the gentleman who came up with the uh, the manic pixie dream girl. Did you get that without even consulting the fact machine? Yeah, that just came back to me. These are the things that I think about. Yeah. Uh, we, while we're doing this non-linearly, uh, he since disowned the term. But anyway, sorry, you were talking about her manic pixie dreaminess. Yeah, yeah, but but um, she she becomes more than that. I think um, uh, at the end of the movie, when when uh, she moves past him, basically. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And 
there's something interesting in that final kiss. Um, it's shot from a distance through the window of a of a cafe, but it looks very much like he's leaning into it much more than she is. They do the kiss on the cheek at the end of the day. Mm. There's a sense that she pulls away. Which makes sense. Um... Yes. That she pulls away a lot quicker than he does, uh, which gives you a sense of, of how it ended, that she's moved beyond him, and he's in some ways sort of stuck on her. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's, um, it's something that one does and perhaps doesn't feel great about, but uh, one reminisces about, about, about the loves that they've had before. One romanticizes the romance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, and, and, and this movie speaks to a lot of that. So anyone who has been in love uh, or, or, well, maybe, maybe not any particular kind of, of, of being in love, but... A, but a, um, one particular strand of, yeah. or one particular style of perhaps. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll look back at it and think, God, I was, I was, I was um, such an oaf. And um, maybe even... Yeah, missing it. Yeah, no, I don't think there is sort of a, a longingness that one feels a nostalgia almost for the sense of, uh, and a tendency to portray it as more idealistic than it actually was. Yeah. But yeah, no, and, and in terms of, so we're talking about Los Angeles there, and like, I think the counterpoint to that is New York, because Annie Hall is, is really, I think, he does Manhattan um, a little bit later, but this is sort of Woody Allen's big, one of Woody Allen's big sort of love stories to New York, which was a city that he very dearly cared about. Yeah, it's very clear how Los Angeles is is, is an very, inferior. And in, yeah, yeah. There's it's, there's the the um, um, he really gives good meetings, which like, is it's a great conversation. Like, yeah. and I think you don't even have to have been to Los Angeles to have felt like you've heard that conversation. Yeah, just uh, and 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 that shallowness. Uh, I forgot my mantra. Yeah. <laughs> or even like there's there's a nice little bit where they have the private screening room and they're talking about is it uh, Bergman or Fellini's films where one of the guys is like smoking weed and goes great when you're high and you can just sort of see Woody Allen sort of shooting daggers at him like one, yeah. of, the, one of the nice little key differences between New York and Los Angeles is if you look at the films that are showing in the cinemas uh, in the two locations so for example um, in New York there's uh, a Bergman film there's the uh, the Fellini, the debate about Fellini. There's um, what's the film that they keep going to see? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, the pity and uh, oh goodness, the sorrow and the pity. The sorrow and the pity. Yes, I have it written down. The okay. sorrow and the pity. So yeah, in in New York, Woody Allen goes to see the sorrow and the pity repeatedly yeah. over and over again. Whereas in New York, on the other, as far as we're in Los Angeles, on the other hand, there's um, there's like Exorcism of Death Three. Showing yeah. on one of the uh, every movies. everything in New York is much more um, high class. Yeah, and uh, political and artistic and um, liberal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. at one point, uh, Alvi gives out about um, Annie having a copy of the National Review in her room, for example. There's a very sort of strong sense of liberalism to it. Um, yeah, he's campaigning for Adlai Stevenson, and he has all of these. Impeach uh, Eisenhower, impeach <laughs> Nixon. He doesn't very much have impeach Johnson as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was a which was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. I think that says a lot about his politics. And uh, impeach Reagan as well. Is is that impeach him as governor of California? Or that's just how much Alvi uh, hates the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. He's a very prescient um, uh, commentator. Yeah. He, um, those those pins will be worth something one day in the years to come but i mean it is in terms of because annie's actual apartment um i think it might have been a place where woody allen actually lived and if we're talking about even more autobiographical stuff mm. 
and when we're talking about like it, at least it's in the same geographical area of New York where he used to live. Um, and in terms of uh, his big argument with Annie about the two of them living apart, about keeping her apart, which by the way is really one of those paternal moments where he's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll pay for you to keep your apartment. I can write it as a tax. I can have it as a tax write-off." But apparently, when he was married to Mia Farrow, uh, they lived in separate apartments on the other side of Central Park, reportedly. Um, so there is there is a certain element of uh, of that sort of stuff happening in there, I think, as well. But I mean, at one point, Annie describes him as like Manhattan, an island unto himself, mm. um, which is actually yeah, and that dovetails nicely into that final the closing scenes as well. Yeah, and his his kind of curmudgeonly New York kind of because New York is this dirty and um, serious place, and um, it's real. It's real it's not grit. Whereas he's talking about Los Angeles and he's saying um, they do nothing but give out awards. Yeah, which is, again... Which yeah. is an enema to, to, to him as a person. Yes. Well, he does spend every Oscars, famously spends most Oscar ceremonies uh, playing the clarinet. Oh. Yeah. Um, he refuses. This is one of his... Uh, ne- never be a member of a club that would have his, him as a member. Yeah. Is that he declines to attend the ceremonies and plays clarinet instead. Which is which? Which is why we don't get to see him playing the clarinet. We're all watching the Oscars instead. Yeah, that's what's airing on ABC. Whereas on NBC, we've got Woody Allen live at the Jazz Club, uh, playing jazz clarinet. Jazz clarinet, yeah. The yeah. best kind of clarinet. So, in terms of that, was there anything else that you that you really liked about? Him? Anything else that sort of jumped out? There are moments in it where he he's trying to he's tr- he's trying to recreate the, the d- romance the, the romance with the, the with the with the lobsters as well where 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 he's seeing another woman and he's 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 trying to um, do that kooky enjoyable sort of yeah. fun thing it kind of right? reminded me of vertigo no bill murray in um, groundhog day where he's he's trying he's, to, he's trying to recreate their the the times they've spent together with with Andy McDowell yeah. Well, here's the thing, actually. That scene was apparently the first scene that they shot, which is why Alan and Keating, Keaton are laughing in it. Like, if you watch the take, they're clearly giggling um, like school children um, between lines. Because this was the, the first day, day that they shot together. The, an, an, another uh, line, I think, that uh, and he liked... also sorry, going to say, And he also attempts to rewrite the relationship at the end in the stage play as well. Oh, which again, yeah. which is one of those moments that you think sort of plays into this mythology of Alan as somebody who draws from his real life into his work, where he's like, uh, you know, he he basically writes a happy ending for Alby's relationship with um, Annie in the context of a stage play that he's writing. Um, yeah, and sort of as a do over, and uh, you kind of wonder if there's an element of that to the work that he puts on screen himself. Is is that him being self aware? Is that him winking, or is that him? You know, is that just? Is a cigar just a cigar? To quote his psychoanalyst. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I, I think he has this idea of who he is, which um, he wants to kind of superimpose onto who he may be. And yeah, that's that's I, yeah. I I I, I guess um, <clears throat> I guess we all do that, but it's maybe more um, pronounced uh, when you're making one movie a year. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, uh, it's more, I guess, uh, transparent in his case, maybe. Perhaps because of the scrutiny that he sort of. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not. In fact, no. I was going to say that I, I, I don't want to talk, talk, talk too harshly about Woody Allen. I feel like he's fair game. I feel like <laughs> yes. I feel that like the decisions that he's made and the life that he's lived has perhaps, in some way, 
opened up this avenue of criticism. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wait until we get to Chinatown. Yeah. I there, may edit that line out. <laughs> there is there a line I think that you enjoyed as well when he's waiting for Annie Hall outside the cinema and there's these two guys and they're like, are you on television? I've seen you. I know you. And, and yeah, he's ev- ev- eventually kind of Begrudgingly, yeah, yeah, and signing like the most tiny autograph ever. Yeah. Um, but but Make then that to my girlfriend, Robert, <laughs> or Ralph. Yeah, your yeah. girlfriend. I mean, my brother. <laughs> but uh, Dan Keaton gets out of her taxi, and he says, "So I feel like I'm with the cast of The Godfather." Yeah. And he somehow Woody Allen declines to turn to the camera and wink when he says <laughs> that uh, while pointing at Diane Keaton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it is. The, who's, who's, of course, from The Godfather. Yes, and it, it's marvellous in them as well, actually. It's, it's remarkable to think that she is, because I think, like, despite the fact that The Godfather is generally regarded as the better film, the, the masterpiece film, I think a lot of people would have seen her, a lot of people our age would have seen her perhaps first in this. Yeah, uh, it's kind it of certainly strange. feels like the movie that she may, perhaps belongs more in. Uh, or, that, or like. Well, it is the one that, I mean, she's. We've talked a bit about how Annie is, in some ways, very much secondary and presented as as Albie Caesar. But I think it it is more of a showcase for Keaton. I think but Keaton. Gets yeah, she 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 breaks out of that that kind of placement of 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 her as this secondary character. She, I guess, through her performance. You know that uh, her wardrobe. Apparently, Keaton chose her own wardrobe for the film. Which, again, became hugely influential. I mean, even when we were growing up, there were girls who dressed quite a bit like um, like the character in the film. I didn't know that, but I can well believe it. Yeah. Apparently, there was some argument. Apparently, Tommy Hilfiger uh, argued that they did, but apparently they only loaned one tie and one waistcoat. Yeah. Um, and apparently, she was not, not happy with that, that they claimed that. thought that was a bit disingenuous. Yeah, that, that would be the one that they would claim as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does have a very sort of like independence. I think it was Grammy who who provided that tie. It was Grammy. Grammy Hall. Yeah. Grew up in a Norman Rockwell painting. Yes. Again, that's how good this, some of those lines are that they're just imminently quotable. Yeah. Um, in fact, yeah, the podcast this week is going to be nothing but us recycling Woody Allen lines in a Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> so, in terms of, was there anything else that sort of jumped out at you? Anything that sort of grabbed you or, or... some 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 of the shots. I think in in yeah. in uh, when when it's going back to the school um, and it's just pan. kind of panning. Yeah, and I thought that was that was great. Yeah, it was panning through the teachers and then it's panning through some of the um, the classroom and then and then it's uh, it's speaking to each uh, child in turn like they're kind of like facing the camera. Yeah, featured in a documentary. Almost. Yeah, yeah, and and um, there was other other interesting stuff like. Well, I mean, um, you're talking about placement there. Like Alan yeah. is Alan is, I think, like he's primarily known for his writing for <coughs> books, for yeah. his comedy, for the scripts, for these sort of things. In fact, that's what he tends to win awards for, which yeah. don't really matter because they're like anathema to him. But anyway, um, his direction. Alan is a very, very good director, I would argue. Um, in fact, well, he's more of a technical director, really. <laughs> Hold on, Andrew. Sorry, if you wouldn't mind stepping <laughs> over here. Um, but he, in terms of how he constructs stuff, like after this, he went on to do uh, Interiors, which was a in, mostly entirely dramatic film, mm. uh, which was modeled on the style of Inger Bergman. Okay. Um, but even in Annie Hall, for example, 
he holds scenes for a very long time. Like you don't notice it because they're dialogue heavy scenes, mm. but he tends to hold long takes. That that pan is a nice example of something that he could have done in several shots of the Optimum one. But like the dialogue where they're talking after or after failing to have sex um, and all this sort of stuff, they're generally done in long takes, which is remarkable. The average shot length of the film is 14.5 seconds. I think compared to the average at the time... I was wondering what you were doing during the movie. Yeah, with my little stopwatch. <laughs> stopwatch this it? is why I only laughed at the Godfather line. Yeah, yeah. You had a little blackboard and you were like noting all of the... The individual amazing. cuts within there. Yeah, I um, thought you had lost your mind. I was just writing down random numbers. But apparently, of the same time, the average cut length for a film released around the same time was half of that. So there's a tendency to keep long takes. There's also even... You know the scene where the two of them are talking at the psychoanalyst's office and they're talking over each other? And it looks like it's split screen. So where he's, she's talking and she's like, well, you know, um, he oh, pays the psychotherapy, yes, yeah, so I feel yeah, like, yeah, and then, yeah, you know, yeah, and yes, he's like, yeah. I pay for the psychotherapy. And they're saying the same things about each other. Yeah, I do recall that. Yeah. But the scene is shot, so it looks like a split screen with the line down the middle of the screen. It was actually shot on a set, a standing set that was built uh, specifically so that the two, uh, the two actors could have that dialogue with one another through the wall, which is remarkable. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think there, there, there's another interesting shot as well with um, with Woody Allen and Tony Roberts where it's a long shot and you can't see them. You can hear them talking and then you realise that uh, they're in the uh, the background of the yeah. scene and they're, and they're slowly walking towards. So they're, they're having the conversation where he's, he, he's saying that um, he distinctly called me a Jew. <laughs> yes, yes. He said, and you? Oh, yeah. But he he said, and a Jew. <laughs> yeah, but 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 the the shot is very interesting. Yeah, because there there must be like uh, two hundred meters away. Yeah, something. and the wait the camera waits for them to get close. Yes, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Remarkable. And it is. I think Alan is is underrated as a director, even if he may be a technical director. <laughs> um, but in terms no, of basic no. composition, framing, and, and technical skill. I mean, the cinematographer who worked on this was the cinematographer who worked on The Godfather. Um, it was, it's commonly joked that it was his lightest film and Alan's uh, heaviest film to this point in their filmography. So it was the perfect point of interception. Yeah, yeah. Then, um, did they work together again? or The cinematographer, um, Gordon Hugh Willis, uh, actually he also worked on Manhattan um, as well. And he got his first Oscar nomination for Annie Hall, which is surprising for somebody who worked on The Godfather. Yeah. Um, because one would imagine that that would be the more traditionally prestigious film. But I think in some ways what was surprising about... No? Well, I mean, is, is it in terms of cinematography? Well, in terms, there, there, like, in terms the of the, the colour of, of, of that the movie. The sort of sepia tones. And yeah, the, the, um, the, way, the way it looks. Generally, when I think of cinematography, I think more about the way the camera moves. Yeah, framing and composition yeah, yeah. and stuff. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I think it's... Well, first of all, the Oscars are not necessarily about skill or technical craft, I would argue. Like, I mean, Roger Deakins, our good friend Roger Deakins, yes. uh, has been nominated several times and never actually won, which is, is remarkable. Oh yes, we 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 spoke we spoke about prisoners. He was nominated for prisoners. We actually spoke a, a, um, a great deal about it. We did because it it is a beautiful film, um, despite its flaws, which are also not nominated related. for Sicario. Yeah, and for Unbroken, which is one of the worst films I've ever seen, but it looks very nice. <laughs> um, sorry, Angelina Jolie. That was her directorial uh, effort. Herself. That's right. Yeah. 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 
The um the the actor in that's quite good though. What's, he is Jack O'Connell. Yes, yeah. He's very very good. Um, and he deserved a better vehicle. Hmm. Uh, everybody involved in that film deserved. So a did Joan Grufford. A better vehicle for what? For his career than uh, <laughs> everything that he has made. No, than than Fantastic Four. But hold on, now to be fair, hasn't like Grufford's filmography? He must is... have been delighted when 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 he realised he would, he would be in Fantastic Four. He also played like my my big memory of Ian Grufford. Hornblower. Okay, Tremendous. From, from the BBC is also, and he also appeared in Titanic. Actually, I can't believe he appeared in Titanic. But let's be honest here. Like this is a man whose filmography includes the 2004 version of King Arthur. Oh no, San Andreas. San Andreas from 2015, right. which never, is also never, one of the worst films I've ever seen. Wait, wait, wait. We're, we're, we're going with this. One hundred and two. One hundred and two Dalmatians, the live action sequel to it. Um, the TV show Forever, in which he plays a man who cannot age. He did appear in Black Hawk Down. Oh, he was in Wild. Yeah, oh, he was in Ringer with Sarah Michelle Gellar, in which a woman is replaced, in which Sarah Michelle Gellar is replaced by her evil twin. Is that good? No, no, it is not good. <laughs> Doesn't sound good. No, <laughs> surprisingly. Oh, he yeah. was in Horrible Bosses. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh no. I'm sorry. Yon, I still think you deserve better. I did. He was uh, Tony Blair in W. He was in the 1996 oh, version. Oh, yes. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're thinking of Michael Sheen, aren't you? <laughs> yes, yeah. And Michael Sheen is always Tony Blair. Yeah. Um, he is I no guess, Roger Deakins. No, he can't sail by on Hornblower. For, for so long. Toot his own horn, so to speak. Yeah. yeah but is there anything else that sort of jumped out at you about any horn? No, 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 no. Not at all. I mean, the, the, the controversy that we, um, that, 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 that we skate around, we should probably name it, is... is 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 that his his adopted daughter is now um, his is wife. now his wife yeah uh, which does cast his relationship with Annie and the way that uh, he presents her as a child in need of a strong paternal figure almost uh, yeah. makes it particularly creepy and it's very problematic and that's um, his his immaturity when, becomes almost predatory yeah and it, and 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 it's it it seems very pathetic as well when cast alongside his his. Um, his supposed genius, how um, how much of a um, self-centered, oblivious, immoral. I know. I know we've 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 touched on these, <laughs> we've we've touched, touched on but now we're somewhere. tying this together with like a big <laughs> big thread ribbon. And yeah, it is ironic that we're we're talking about this, and we do like the film. But yes, we do. Yes, there we are do. a lot of very serious problems with it. There are. Yeah. So with that in mind... But go out and see this. Lots of fun. <laughs> it, is, it is a very good film, even if it is difficult in some cases to divorce from its more problematic elements. Yeah. Ironically, Alan was not difficult to divorce. But anyway, we'll come back to that one. Anyhow, it's currently at 205 in the top 250 movies of all time. So to give a sense of scale, it is two worse than Stalker, which is the last film that we watched. Andrew, would you share that opinion? No. No. I would also share that. I would rank it... Uh, rank it significantly higher yeah yeah um, um in terms of where it ranks uh, it is just above, it's above the, truman the truman show which i would disagree with i think the truman show is one of the old-time masterpieces of, of cinema i think any hall is is also that but i think the truman show is, is much better i feel like groundhog day is around here somewhere is that correct so it's, yeah, it's groundhog day is yeah. 218 so it is yeah, so the, the, there'll be a few examples of of movies uh, below um, that are sort of influenced by or yeah I, yeah but but ones that we thought were better per per um it's above groundhog day i would maybe put groundhog day before it it's above um, rocky for example 
Uh, how do you feel about Rocky? Um, no, I, w- I would, I would, I, w- I, w- I would put Annie Hall above Rocky. I can see why Rocky is in the two fifty. The there, there, there's a lot of um, movies in the list that are more sort of niche that I can't really understand because it, I'm not the person to which those movies mean anything. Like, for example, all three of the Lord of the Rings movies. Yes. Are, Most are, of the Harry Potters are in there as well. Actually. Yeah, which 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 is also crazy. Yeah. Like like none none of those movies really um, stand as 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 movies. I would argue the Prisoner of Azkaban comes closest, but we'll probably save that until we land up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's above. How and many this are there? There's like eight. There, there are seven. Yes, seven. There are okay. six books and seven films. And, and, and now, now aren't there going to be like part one and two of a new book? And presumably there'll be another film. Well, there's. Um, they already did that old face thing. What old face thing? <laughs> at the en- at the end of. Oh uh, yes, where they spoilers. were guilty. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, at yeah. the end of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part ah. Two, um, the Hollows of Death. It is very. It's a very Doctor Who title as well. Mm. The Curse of Fatal Death. The Deathly Hollows. It's also above eight and a half, which is probably something that I think Alan himself might take issue with as a Fellini farm a fan. Not a Fellini farm. That's a very different thing. It's above but, above the Wizard of Oz. Which I've, it's been a while since I've seen the Wizard of Oz, but um, but it's if certainly ever a much the beloved Wizard of Oz. Uh, movie. Um, so yeah, one, one uh, it's about Jaws, for example, which is one we've talked about. Would you put it above Jaws? No, no way. I'll, I'll, I'll look at movies that actually came out came out above it and see like Jurassic Park. No, these are all fair enough. Like I'm looking at them. Maybe um, I'd probably, probably put it above um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Maybe. Uh, yeah, definitely above the twelve above twelve years of slave. Yeah, I'd probably put a uh, above Stand a million dollar baby. No, like a lot of this is kind of fair enough. Yeah. I mean, there'll, um, as I say, there will be certain movies where I won't get why they're in, why they're in the list. But I think for the most part, looking at what's kind of around it, it isn't. It, it isn't fair. quite good company, yeah. and it does. It doesn't seem so unfair that it is where it is on the list. Either, either too too high or too too low. high or too low. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I, I would agree with that. So let's take a look then at the in and out chart. It's not what you think. It's not. Sorry, Andrew does that a lot better. <laughs> right. So a lot of changes, but let's take a look at what's come in and what's dropped. There have been no of... new entries in the past two weeks. The IMDb's uh, top 250 list it's is as you were. stable. It is as we were. Apparently once it got rid of Captain America Civil War, everything was hunky Since faces. People were in shock. Yeah. Um, so, so surprised. Any any big movers then we can talk about the the movers the shakers. Gangs of Wazapar is up five, uh, but we've been watching that for a little while. Uh, the message is down five. Star Wars: The Force Awakens down five. Down five. Surprisingly, a very recent movie. That's another one that seems to be in sharp decline. Um, I suspect we're home. Chewie is, is Chewie. We're home. Is, Chewie, we're home. Is, is that a, is that yeah, a line? That's from a line from the, the trailer. Have okay. you seen the film yet? I have. Yeah, I've yeah. seen the film. It is a it is a very good remake of the first Star Wars film. Yeah, it um, pretty much is a remake. A lot of people um, have made that uh, observation. It's not a fresh one by any measure. But a, a lot of people um, uh, can't stand uh, the the movie. But I I don't know. It's... I'm not sure. I'd rank, I wouldn't rank it in the top 250 movies ever made. And I think I suspect in the next couple of weeks we'll see it going out because it's... it's like I think I'll stay in the in the. I think people will have a tendency to think of it along with the original three. Yeah, the original three, which of course are movies four, five, and six. God, 
I can't wait until what we nonsense. land. I can't wait until we land on one of these so you actually have to talk about <laughs> this and explain it. Really upset people. Yeah, but uh, Deadpool's down four. Uh, some of the see the Irish. Deadpool film. is still in the top two fifty. Yeah, it's it? at number two hundred and thirty four. It's wow. only twenty nine movies. And it's worth been in. It's it's been out longer than Civil War. Yeah, and Civil War dropped out. So I think Civil War dropped out. Yeah, the consensus seems to be that Deadpool is the best superhero film of the year. Huh. Um, <laughs> which I'm not sure. It's quite I saw Suicide of... Squad the other day. I <laughs> and how'd that go for you? <laughs> I, I I was on a ferry and I knew it would be bad. <laughs> I was hoping it would be worse, actually. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's a movie that feels like it's been cut to ribbons. Like you can feel like where it was surgically ended to make it appeal to a certain type of audience member. Yeah, it's um, it was it was a weird kind of a movie because they're like, let's create let's create a, a team to to fight um, terrorists uh, or something. Yeah, well, what terrorists? Oh, well. There's a big hole in the sky. Yeah, while while we were creating this team to fight the terrorists, one of them became a terrorist. So we should probably deal with that. Maybe. Yeah, it's like so. But don't worry, like, she's going to. It's going to the. Was there anything else the, you were going to solve apart from the problem that you just created? Yeah, like, we'll get around to it. Uh, well, in fairness, the climax of the film involves yes, it's Cara Devanji gyrating in front of us who? in CGI screen. Cara Delevingne. Um, Delevingne, okay. I'm, I apologize. I don't follow her work as closely as you do. All right, so that's it. So I think doesn't we, represent me, Cara. <laughs> doesn't speak on my behalf. So I think the only thing left to do then uh, is to pick a movie for next week. So we're still shell shocked from I think the last time we watched a movie in the bottom 100. So this time we may confine ourselves. We may still confine ourselves to the top 250, and then maybe next week branch out and include the bottom uh, 100 movies of all time. So with that in mind, Andrew, I'm going to ask you to pick a film. 94. Let's take a look and see what is at 94. Andrew, what is at 94 in the list? I, I can't say it. This you can't a, say it's inappropriate? This, this, uh, this is a family podcast. But it's spelt differently, so you can say it. It's Inglarious Bastards? Which is, Bastards. The, which is I believe, a, Bastards. French, a French film from a Quentin Tarantino um, in, renowned director. Inglarious Bastards. Glorious Bastards. From 2009, Quentin Don't Tarantino. Don't beat that. <laughs> 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 I love the idea that the next podcast is going to be nothing but us repeating the name with the beeping sound over <laughs> So at number 94 is Inglorious Bastards, Quentin Tarantino's film. So um, let's take a look at the trailer for the film. Fantastic. And see what we're looking forward to. Ten hot eyes forward. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Ray, and I need me eight soldiers. We're gonna be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. We're gonna be doing one thing, one thing only: killing Nazis. Yes, sir. Members of the National Socialist Party conquered Europe to murder torture, intimidation, and terror. And that's exactly what we're going to do to them. We will be cruel to the German. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. They will find the evidence of our cruelty in the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies of their brothers we leave behind us. And the German will not be able to help themselves from imagining the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands and our boot heels. 
and the edge of our knives. And the German will be sickened by us. And the German will talk about us. And the German will fear us. Nazi ain't got no humanity. And they need to be destroyed. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. Nine, 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 nine. Sound good? Yes, sir! So, Andrew, what did you make of that? Well, uh, one person I didn't see in the trailer that I was disappointed not to see. I mean, I know, but, which is uh, remarkable, isn't it? Um, uh, well, no, no, we, we, we saw a bit of the back. Uh, oh, no, wait, we... We saw the back of Christoph Waltz's head, sort of. Um, we didn't see very much of him. Um, I mean, I imagine there were lots of trailers for this movie. Um, yeah, that one, was just the first one. Yeah. That, that was before he won the Oscar, obviously, for of, the film that hadn't been released. Of course. Yet, so I, yeah, before I, he broke I don't out, think I people think. really knew Christoph Waltz. I certainly wasn't uh, very familiar at all with, with Christoph Waltz. He was just this tremendous actor that Quentin Tarantino was aware of. Um, and who will get stuck playing pretty much the same role in every film that followed except the Quentin Tarantino films. Yeah, I, I, I quite like Christoph Waltz. I do, I like him yeah. a lot. He just hasn't had the best run of roles, I think, in terms of... Uh, like, I, I don't think outside of Django he's ever quite fulfilled the potential shown here. Maybe Carnage. Yeah, I, I was just, just going to chime in with, what about Carnage? And then you, you then I there. beat you to the punch. <laughs> exactly. One of the things that struck me out watching the trailer, because we've both seen the film, is how action-heavy the trailer is. Um, oh, yeah. The trailer makes it look a lot more like an action film than it actually is. In that, and again, it's a film called Inglorious Bastards, but without getting too spoilery, the bastards are just one strand of it. And most of that comes from one scene. The monologue is taken from one scene, and a lot of the action from the film is sort of cut around that context. Mm. Like, watching that trailer, you get a very different impression of the film than you actually go and see, which I, which I found kind of striking, rewatching the trailer all these years later. Yeah, well, I, like, I prefer that. Um, yeah. That it misleads you, isn't it? Yeah, the, 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 I think we've spoken about it before, like, a good trailer is... Uh, is Builds is, anticipation. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that trailer w- really spoiled anything from the movie at yeah. all, whatsoever. Yeah. Like, be, because... The um, I think the trick is to um, have a lot of shortcuts yeah. in in trailers like that, and 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 that works if you're if you're kind of marketing it as uh, as an action uh, movie because it's very frenetic. It, yeah. It's it's a very frenetic trailer. Somebody we also saw the back of the head of was uh, Paul Rust. who I quite like, although although in, in, he he hasn't really broken out. Yeah, well, he. I haven't seen um, "I Love You, Beth Cooper," but I, 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 I believe it. It, it may not have been um, that great. I think it was him, 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 himself and and Hayden Panettiere in a kind of a teen sort of um, gross out comedy, I guess. I imagine by 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 the looks of it. But I quite like Paul Ross. Paul Ross is one of the bastards. He's um, he's one of the eight. Yeah. Um, he's 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 a uh, LA-based comedian. A lot of people might know him now from uh, the Netflix series Love. Uh, you wholeheartedly recommend? Oh yeah, absolutely. As far as uh, as far as versions of Love go, Annie Hall or Love 
Which would you go for? Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, to, sorry to put you on the spot like that. That would be a big question. We'd, we, we would we start talking a lot about Netflix's uh, love. Yes. If, uh, yeah. You should watch it. That'll be a different podcast. Oh, do. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want that to be a different podcast, feel free to hit us up. You can hit me at Darren underscore Mooney uh, on Twitter, or you can hit Andrew at... A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A. Cool. Is there anything interesting happening in your world, Andrew? Nothing. But uh, So I think that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Yes. I'm Andrew. I'm, I'm still Andrew. I'm Darren. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Darren. Okay. Together, we are Darren and Andrew. Thank you for listening. And you've been you, and thank you.